Cricket Life Stories with me, Neil Kagram. Today we're joined by Jake Ball. Jake, how's things going out in India? We're at the moment. Uh, not too bad, to be fair. We're keeping in good spirits as 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 you can do in a in bubble life. But um, yeah, it's been re- been really good so far. Good experience. Um, having the crowds for the first two games was was nice, but obviously not not anymore. But um, yeah, it's, it's it's going well for the lads. Let's take it all the way back with yourself. You're born in Mansfield, Nottingham. What are your earliest memories of the sport? Um, just just like family time, really. My mum's got five brothers who all played to a to a good level. Um, my uncle Bruce kept wicket for England um, and and not so. Um, yeah, that that connection there. But I just just remember as soon as I could sort of walk I had a cricket bat or a, a football at my feet I was I was always quite a, a sporty sporty kid so um yeah when, whenever we got opportunity to to get together as a as a family I was always playing some sort of sport mostly mostly cricket with my with my mum's side of the family mostly football with my dad's side of the family but um yeah cricket ended up be, being the winner in the end yeah you mentioned football no you're a big Everton fan never never went down that path I would, yeah, I would have loved to have done, but I think at about fifteen, I realised I wasn't that it wasn't that good. So um, cricket was, uh, yeah, cricket was always a sport that I loved playing. I, I loved playing it as a, as a kid. I, I never thought that I was ever going to become professional, even up until probably like fifteen, sixteen. I just did it because I enjoyed it. It was sociable. I, I could hang out with my mates on a Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. So it was. I just did it because I enjoyed it, and then it obviously. Um, developed into into what it is now you talk us through your earliest club your first clubs and were you always a bowler or did you do a bit of everything as a kid um, I always yeah I always did a bit of everything because you sort of have to at sort of under 11s and moving into thir- under 13s but I was sort of as I as I got a bit older I became more of a batter um until I was probably like 16 or 17 I was I was a batter I think not Nuts under 15s, I um I was batting number four. So it was like, and I, and I didn't bowl until the last game of the season. It was sort of a bit of a dead rub and they just chucked me the ball and said, I have a go and managed to pick up two or three wickets and then went on from there, really. Um, but yeah, I was always always a batter. Love loved clearing the ropes um, from, a, from a young age. Just enjoyed hitting boundaries and not too many uh, singles or twos. It was, it was all sort of trying to go for the ropes. When did Knotts first spot your talents? When did you get into the age group system? And was there one coach that you really resonated with that really felt guided you through the early stages of your cricketing journey as well? Um, yeah, well, like I said, I, I was a batter till, till probably about 16 or 17. So um, I was just playing club cricket for, for, my, for my home club, which is Welbeck. Um, and we had uh, Darren Bicknell, who was an ex um, Notts player, batter and batter, came and played for our club and coach sort of for a year. Um, and and that was a year where I, I, I just sort of really started bowling. And um, he said to Notts, look, I think you need to have a have a look at this lad. Because they, they never sort of see me as being a, a bowler. And I've always been a batter. And I probably, would, as you can probably see over the last 10 years of my batting, it's, it's not my not my strongest point anymore. But he was like, I think you need to have another look at him in, in terms of, of being a, a fast bowler. Because I've was i always been quite a slim build. And um, I wasn't 
quick or anything as a kid, but I had good control and um, you know I had I had skills which which you know you sort of need as you as you move up through the through the levels. Um, so yeah, he he put me in touch with Knox and they got me down to bowl at um, England and New Zealand just um, before test matches or one day. You tend to get like net bowlers from the from the uh, county teams go and just sort of get slogged around for a bit. And it was at that net that um, Otis Gibson, who was the England bowling coach, singled me out and said that I was the sort of best in in that group. Um, and then Otis went on to be my first England bowling coach as well. So that was quite nice. But yeah, it just went on from there. I then joined the joined the Knotts Academy um, as as a bowler. And and then yeah, that's it. It's sort of the rest rest history. I've sort of gone on and kept developing and getting fitter and stronger and bowling a little bit quicker and keep trying to keep that that control that, that got me there in the first place. Yeah, you mentioned at the start of your fast bowling journey that you weren't the quickest but was it more in terms of was it the control you had which stood you out risk position nipping it in and out would that be fair to say and any tips yeah. you give for youngsters perhaps following a similar path um i think a, a tip that i always say is is just sort of be yourself like i think too many kids that get picked up in county age groups or or get coached from a young age can get almost too coached I think they try and be like the perfect bowler. I think when you look at when I was growing up and looking at bowlers who were around at the time, none of them other than probably Brett Lee had like the, the perfect action. You know, you look at, look at Malinga, Makaira and Teeny, people like that, um, Fidel Edwards, they're all, all got something a little bit different and quirky about themselves. And I think the more, I think that's okay when you're at like a quite a young age, but when you start moving up and trying to break into the academy, the second team and then the first team, I think you have to have a point of difference. I think you, you gotta you gotta offer something that isn't in the side already. Um, and I think I I was I was always I, I had a growth spurt about 15, 16, um, which gave me the the bounce I have. Um, luckily, I naturally have a brace front leg which I've always done. Um, so that, that was something that, that the fast bowling coaches say that is, is what you sort of need to, to bowl fast. So I had all the attributes to, to kick on. Um, and then, yeah, I just, I just got in the gym and, and worked hard and, um, yeah, just, just tried not to be overcoached. I still wanted to keep my own identity of, of what had got me there in the first place. And, um, yeah, I think I, I've, I've done that and, and I still have sort of those attributes that, that stood me in good stead from, from a young age. You mentioned the gym there. Do you think gym work, once you, whilst your body's still growing, do you think it's overrated um, as a fast bowler? Do you think it's more repetition, understanding your action? Do you think that's the most important thing? What are your, what are your views on it? Yeah, I, I think there's, there's a balance in everything, but I always think that young bowlers need to bowl. Um, I get, I get why from a young age you have restrictions on how many overs you can bowl in a game or things like that. But one thing that's come into my game over the last two or three years is bowling more at a low intensity. It's something that we picked up from baseball pitches in in America, in that they very rarely throw at 100% outside of a game. 
So they'll just do lots and lots and lots of repetition, sort of getting that muscle memory um, sort of in a position that when it comes to throwing that, the, 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 a, a training session, they might throw 100 balls, 90 of them will be low intensity sort of skill based and the 10% will be of sort of 100%. Um, and I think that's something that I've taken into my game because I think I need to keep bowling, keep bowling because you, your body and your bones get used to it. Your bones get stronger as you get older because you bowl more. But if you can do that from a younger age, then hopefully your bones will get used to the bowling action and get stronger from a younger age as well. So I think there's, a, there's definitely a balance whilst your body's still growing. But I think the more you can get your, your muscles and your bones and your, your action used to the, the, the motion of bowling, because it is, it is a strange, strange action. If you, if you pulled somebody off the street and said, right, I want you to fling this ball down there at 90 miles an hour, keeping your front arm, your, your arm straight, they think you're crazy. It's, it's, it's a weird action to, to do. So I think the more you can do it, the, the, the more your body will get used to it. Now, when you made your Knots debut, your List Day debut in 2009, how was that as a moment in your in your life to give you that confidence that you know you're at, the, at that level now, at the professional level? Yeah, yeah, it did. yeah. That came that came out of the blue a little bit because I, I didn't expect to. I think the, I think I got told the day before that I was gonna gonna play, but I'd sort of been carried around carrying drinks and getting around the team, which a lot of counties do to sort of get you around the setup, get you used to it. Um, but I never thought I was going to play. And then obviously the, the, I got the nod the night before. Um, I didn't have much time to think about it. And I don't think, I'm, my mindset is I don't think about stuff too much. I try not to to sort of get myself worked up into, into like the nerves or anything. I find I'm not, I obviously get nerves, but I don't think about it too much. I try and take my mind away from it until I get to the ground, and then I sort of switch on and start thinking about the game. That's something that came quite naturally to me anyway, which I think, again, has stood me in good stead going through into playing into international cricket. Um, the fact that I don't sort of listen to a lot of outside noise. I just sort of try and do what I'm doing. I'm happy as long as I'm giving 100% on the field. You're not going to perform well every time as long as you know every time you've gone out of the field you give it your all that's all you can do um so yeah I think I think after that after that game I realized that I could perform at that level and I knew I had more growth and more to add to my game obviously I was I think I was only like 18 or 19 at the time so the fact that I held my own in that game um and still had more to give I think that 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 was a big confidence boost for me then also the, the the year later you got picked for the England under nineteen side. So a couple of test matches against Sri Lanka under nineteen. Again, must have yeah. added to your confidence. And who else was in your team as well? Oh, uh, good question. Um, the, 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 a lot of the, the the lads that I would consider being the the top nineteen lads in that year didn't play. So I think Joe, I think Rooty played. I think, but we had Joss and Stokesy. Um, also, but I don't think Joss or Stokes he played in that because they were playing at that at that time. If you were playing county cricket, you could you weren't you could stay with your county. Um, but we had, we had some who played. I think Azim Rafiq was captain. Um, Atif Sheikh, 
few few others. David Payne, Matt Dunn were the bowlers. Um, but I remember first first game, I took a bit of uh, took a bit of tap and went went round. I think they had a big left hander. Um, first ball I bowled hit me for six over extra cover. That was my first ball in um, under 19s cricket. Um, but then the, the following test, I managed to pick up five for at Scarborough, and off the back of that, got put into the um, the bowling the development bowling thing for England for for a year, which was which was again it was another big confidence boost, knowing that ECB England. Uh, uh, are seeing you for somebody as as potential bowler for the future. Just uh, all these things that that happen to you as you're coming through the the setups. Just just keep adding to the confidence and just just wanting to keep it going. Really, can you go a bit deep into what is actually involved in these development fast bowling camps? Are you obviously you're amongst other fellow young professional quick bowlers, the top end in the country? But can you explain for Outsiders, what's actually involved in these camps? Yeah, the, the the camp I was on was quite physically intense. It was it was a lot of gym work. It was trying to make yourself as robust as as they can to bowl because they they were trying to develop fast bowl at that time. I think this was like two thousand and ten. At the time, everyone and probably it's a little bit obsessed by pace. So it was trying to make everybody like big and strong and trying to bowl fast. Um, now, I've, I've said this because Shiny's now our bowling coach at Notts, who was the, the coach then. And that didn't really work for me because it wasn't what I was, it didn't, it wasn't what my body needed to bowl fast. I'm quite, um, I've got long limbs. I don't need to be like really big and strong. I'm not like a muscle bowler, I'm a rhythm bowler. So I need to be more like elastic, like you're doing more like um, reactive stuff and, and making myself springy. That's how I would bowl fast. But at that time, everyone was just trying to get big and bulky and think, right, I can muscle it down there at 90 miles an hour. Um, and I think since since then, I think maybe two more, two or three more years of that before they realised that everyone's a bit different. Um, so, yeah, it was... Um, it was an it was an interesting one. It did it did obviously get me stronger and, and physically fitter, but I, I I don't think it made me bowl faster. The I, I actually put pace on two or three years later after sort of doing my own gym work um, back at Knotts after I had a little injury. So um, then I came back the the following summer and and sort of hit the ground running and and I found that it was just bowling fast came a bit easier to me. So yeah. You mentioned that injury. Was it the the broken foot in twenty fourteen? Do you think that, was yeah. it a contribution to over bowling? Was it the gym work, or was it other factors? I think those other factors. I think the um, the, the shoes I was wearing weren't up to up to scratch either. I think there's been a lot of development in that as well. Because when I when I land, I twist. Um, so I now know that I need a shoe that has a full plate on the bottom of the the shoe. At the time, I, I just sort of like I liked the colour of the shoes, so I, I wore them. Um, but again, yeah, I think it was you, you see it. You do see those injuries a little bit in in younger fast bowlers, sort of when your feet aren't quite used to it. I think it was at Taunton as well, and it was a it was a rock hard pitch, so it, was, it, it it can happen. But I think it was a mixture between that and, and the shoes I was wearing for that, and then yeah, it was just a bit of a freak incident, really. Yeah, the following year, you said you 
hit the ground running. So England Lions recognition, so 39 wickets in the in the championship. What clicked for you doing that that season, looking back? I think I, I, I just started well. I think I remember looking back, I think when we played first game, might have been, we played, we played Surrey first game and I bowled really, I bowled really well. I think I didn't get a, a, a hat full of wickets. I think I picked maybe two or three first innings and two or three second innings. But I was bowling at um, Sangakara and I was going round the wicket and I was nipping it away from him and he was playing, played and missed loads and loads. Um, and yeah, I just felt like I was right on the top of my game. And then we played Yorkshire at home on Sky the following week. Um, and I got, I think I got Rooty out and I got um, Adam Lyde out, but Johnny out. Um, I think I've got four or five. And then the test selection was was a few weeks after that. And obviously, once you bowl on Sky, you bowled at Rooty, who's a top international player. When you see him getting those players out, I think that's that played a, a big part in me sort of then getting picked in the in the test squads coming up that summer. Yeah, 2016, you got the initial call to be in the squad against Sri Lanka. Take us back. Who gave you that initial call? And when you received the news, how what were the emotions run through your body then? Um, well, it was James Whitaker gave me the gave me the phone call, but there's I remember like my mum and dad and a few others sending me like little snippets out of the papers saying like like oh, we think like Jake's going to get picked in this. Who's like you see all this paper talk, which at the at the time sort of you, you, when you're doing a bit bit like when you're doing well, you you tend to read it, don't you? So it was um, it was nice that I was. I was getting those things and I wouldn't say I expected it, but it, it, you sort of then get sort of right, am I going to be in it? Am I not going to be in it? So you sort of expecting a, a phone call. Um, but then obviously when I got it, it was just, yeah, something that you, you work towards pretty much all your life. And, um, you know, whenever you ask anybody that plays their sport, they say, what do you want to do? You want to play for your country, you want to represent your country. And, to then get that call and, and be invited to go and be in the squad. It was, um, yeah, it was something quite special and something I'll never forget. And the fact that I've, I've now represented England over all three formats is, yeah, it's mind-blowing, really. From, from where I was when I was 17, where I was still playing my club's second team cricket at 17, it was like the, the, the journey was quite quick and, and yeah, it was... The fact that I'd never thought that I could make a career out of it made it even more special. Yeah, test debut, then followed against Pakistan at Lords. Do you remember the cap ceremony, the words that were said on that special? Uh, I don't, yeah, I don't remember the words, but it was it was my uncle that gave me the caps. He was the he was the wicket keeping coach at the time. I know he was he was quite emotional actually which which was <laughs> was sort of making me go a little bit um I remember him talking about family and how how proud like the the family are and um you know we're a big quite close family as well so when you hear those words and it, it does sort of pull on the pull on the heartstrings a little bit um and brings it home sort of what an achievement it is to to be to be playing for your country um but I don't I don't remember a lot of the specifics about the about the um the speech but I just remember being really emotional and the fact that we got to bowl first that day helped me I think because I didn't have any time to, to sit and stew in the in the dressing room I wanted to just get straight out there and I opened the bowling with with Brody as well which I'd done at Knotts which was familiar 
Um, I've played at Lords a couple of times and bowled from the end that I opened the bowling from. So luckily, I, 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 everything I was doing, other than the 25,000 in the crowd, um, was quite familiar for me, which was, which was nice. Did you find, did you, you know, when you actually walked down the road, did you notice the difference in levels in terms of the, in, even in when it comes to the build-up, the analysis involved, as well as all the crowd and extra media, etc. Did you notice the difference in levels? Yeah, I mean, in terms of, of, of the, the competition that was playing against the Pakistanis, yeah? Yeah, um, yeah the exterior that goes with it as well. Yeah, I think, to be honest, I went into it a little bit, I want to say, yeah, a bit naive, really. I, I, I was bowling really well at the time. So I was like, I'm just going to go and I'm going to take four or five. You know, and Debbie asked what I want to do. I'm going to go. And I, never, I never really think about what the opposition is going to be like. But then I think, I can't remember, um, somebody got 100. I can't remember who got it. But I was like bowling at him thinking, I cannot get this past his bat here. This was, I think this was like second innings. But first innings, I felt like I bowled really well. Beat the bat a few times, had an LB shout in the in the first over, uh, which was just pitching outside leg. Um, but yeah, like you say, just everything that comes with playing for for England when you it, it, it's just like a, an exhausting day. You get there a bit earlier. You have to do media, or you have to go and I don't know. At the end of the day, you have to go and do the written media. You have to go and speak to Sky. And then you go back to your hotel and you turn the TV on and it's talking about the game that you've just been playing. And like, it's hard to switch off from it, which I, I initially I found harder because like I'm, I'm usually quite good at getting away from it. But I think when you're playing for England and it's in the papers, it's on the TV, it's on, you know, I, I watch the news at night, it's on the news as well. So it's like you, just, you struggle to sort of get away from it, uh, which I had to try and find more ways to do that the more I played. Um, so yeah, it was um, it was an exhausting four or five days, but it was it was a good good eye opener for for what was to come and and how to. Then I learned a lot about myself about how I, I needed to to deal with it. Yeah, ODI debut followed against Bangladesh. Five for debut at that time during that period. Did you see your game more suited to the longer form, shorter form? Did you find the chain interchange quite easy? And any tips for youngsters adapting to both uh, to, to all formats as well? Yeah, I think I think over fifty over cricket, your skill sets aren't too different. I think in fifty over cricket, a good a good length is a good length. Even coming out of Test cricket, you, you're only a, sort of when you're adapting. If somebody's coming a bit harder at you, um, looking to use changes of pace and like there, that was in Bangladesh. So the pitches are a little bit slower. You can use your you can use your slower balls and you, you change the pace a little bit more there. Whereas in England, I think as we saw in the in the World Cup, you know our traditional English bowlers that like Wokesy and I mean Woody's Woody's quite quick, but like him and Plunkett who just hit hard length. It's hard to hit. It's still hard to hit even even when people are coming at you. Um, so I think you're only sort of adapting to maybe the last, I don't know, six or seven overs when a team might be looking to, to accelerate at, at the back end if they've got wickets in hand. Um, but yeah, a, a good length is a good length, no, no matter what format you're playing. I think the more you can get used to hitting hard length, is it will stand you in good stead over all formats, really. Um, 
So yeah, yeah, that's it. Did you um did you see your game more suited to the shorter form, or did you? Um, yeah, I think I think at the time I did. Yeah, um, I, I've I've done well for knots in in the. I think it was still pro, might have been still pro forty back then. Might have just changed to to fifty over cricket, but yeah, I done I done well for done well for knots in the couple of seasons leading up to that, and um, I always sort of thought that I was I was more of a. A one-day player than a than a, a longer format player. So, um, yeah, I felt quite comfortable. I got I only got in because um, Liam Plunkett had an in-ground toenail um, a couple of days before and, and wasn't able to to train two days before. So I only got the only got to play because of that. Um, and then obviously took took my chance with the with the five for and managed to stay in for the rest of the series. I think I was leading wicket taker um, in that series. Then we went straight to India. I think I was a leading wicket taker. Seema there, obviously. Um, Rash, I think Rash was leading wicket taker in terms of with with spin, but I was the leading Seema there as well. So from there, I thought I was just going to kick on, and um, yeah, it, it all looked quite quite nice and rosy then. But um, it's never never a smooth journey, unfortunately. How much work even now do you do on variations, slower balls, nailing those Yorkers? And can you take us into your kind of practice? What kind of stuff are you actually doing to hone your specific skills in those in those kind of elements? Yeah, we um, at Trent Bridge, we do a lot of skill based stuff because because the ground's small and the pitches are good. Um, the what I said earlier about the the hard length that's a little bit easy to hit. So if somebody's in and set the hard length at Trent Ridge because the ball skips on is 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 easy to hit. So we tend to use our Yorkers and slower balls from almost first ball. Like Harry, Harry very often will bowl a slower ball first ball just to put it in the batsman's head. Um, it's, I think one day in T20 cricket is coming more and more about just it's like a mental battle. What's he thinking? What's the bowler thinking? Is, is he going to come at me this ball? If I if I put them all out on the leg side, does he think it's going to be in his hips? So I might go wider at him. So there's, there's lots of things. Uh, there's a lot more thought goes into field placings and balls at how we can out fox batters. Um, at Knotts now, we've got a full-time um, analyst who will tell us that, I don't know, batter A will hit. 50% of his runs through backwards square leg. So he, he wants it on his hip, whereas he doesn't hit a lot down to third man. So you might bring third man up and you might put a point out and say, right, hit me through there because we know you don't want to do that. Um, so there's there's a lot more thought goes into it. Like we watch we watch hours of footage of, of other players who are going to play against trying to work out the best place to, to bowl at them. Um, but in terms of in terms of our skills, we just do a lot of it at training. We bowl. We always finish training with the Yorker challenge. See how many you can hit in a row. Um, whoever doesn't hit as or like how many can hit in twelve balls. Whoever doesn't hit the most has to make the coffees or make the tea. So we, we put a bit of a challenge on it and things like that. Um, but I think slower balls are quite personal. Um, whatever's comfortable for you. I've always wanted to bowl a knuckle ball, which over the last couple of years I've, I've managed to develop, which is, I think, has taken my game um, to the next level, which which 
So obviously we saw I I saw a big difference in that in the blast last year where I was leading wicket taker. Um because it's something that other again batters do um research on you so they'll know that usually I'd bowl an off cutter stubble, whereas this year I came in with a knuckleball. So you always have I say it's like cat and mouse and next year they'll know I bowl a knuckleball so then I might have to go back to the to the off cutter. Just things like that. It's it's there's there's so much that goes into it. The preparation for T twenty cricket is it's Mind blowing! It's so good. And is it the main advice, perhaps for club cricketers, then would be just to make training, you know, put that added pressure on training, make it a bit yeah. more game specific, just so that they're getting a bit more out yeah. of it, as opposed to just yeah. going and trundling through their action. Yeah, hundred percent. And and even even on if for four day cricket, I'll say, um, right, I'm going to bowl four overs. I don't want to be left more than four times because that's what we're working on. We're working on getting played more. So then, then I've got a little task there. So I know that I need to be straight, but not too straight to get clipped. But I want the batter to always look to be playing. So I play little games with myself in my head. Or I might say um, third ball or fourth ball at the over, I want him trying to drive through. If it's swinging, I might say to him, look, you've got cover open. And then I might go fuller and try and get him to hit balls through there because then I know that's a high-risk shot. You always always got to have something on your training, I find, because if you go through the motions, you, you're not developing, you're not learning about yourself. You're just sort of, you're just doing, and, and, and nobody gets anything out of that really because, again, the batter at the other end wants you at high intensity because he gets the most out of that as well. So I, I'd say... Yeah, when you're going down to your, your club nets, always make sure there's something on it. What, like I say, whether that is making him play, whether that's you saying, I want to hit knee roll, whether that's you saying, I want to hit top of the pad, just always, and keep scoring your head. and Be, be hard on yourself, because um, that, that's the only way you're going to learn and develop. And then going into Ashes down under, because he played a few couple more test matches out in India, it was a slight ankle injury, was it? Did you feel as if you had enough overs under your belt going into that first test? Uh, no, no, I didn't. I did, um, yeah, I did two, ruptured two ligaments in my ankles 10, 10 days before. Um, and I only, I only had sort of two or three days leading up to the test to, to get my overs up to where they needed to be. And, and I, was, I was quite a way short of where you'd want to be at. Um, and obviously... Again, going into a, a normal test match, it, it's quite intense and um, quite draining. But going into your first Ashes test away from home at the Gabba in front of 50 plus thousand, it, it was just, um, yeah, it was, it, I wasn't ready. Um, and I wasn't physically or probably even mentally ready either because I was still, you know, I had my ankle heavily strapped through the, through the whole test. Um, there's always that thing in the back. I think to be play test cricket, you have to be at the top of your game and you have to be able to put 100% in um, without any distractions or worries. And I was, A, worried about my ankle and B, I was, I was it was my first Ashes test. I wanted to do well. I was quite uptight about the fact that, that I wanted to do well um, in that. So I think a mixture of, of both of those things just, um, yeah, it didn't, didn't go the way I wanted it to go and disappointed not to that was obviously that was my last test I played for England so that that's something that that you know you again as as 
international cricketers you have to live with. You know, it's I I, I wish I could have got because probably second or third test, I, I felt like I was back to where I wanted to be. You know, we played a couple of warm-up games after the second one at Perth and, and I felt like I was back bowling where I wanted to be at, but then didn't get the chance again in Australia to, to play and I haven't played since. So, um, yeah, it's, it's frustrating. But it, again, it's part of being professional sportsman. It's part of life where you don't always get what you think you deserve. You just have to sort of get on with it. And, and if the chance ever comes again, I've got to make sure that I'm ready to take it. Yeah, as you said, you were left out the side. Then off that first test, you played in the one day. Was it the final one day on that tour? The gap must yeah. have been a couple. Was it? it must have been a couple of months. From a mental yeah, perspective, must have been difficult for you. Yeah, yeah, it was two two months pretty much from and and we we actually arrived in Australia about two or three weeks before the first. Uh, first test as well so it was it was a long time it was a long time just sat in hotel rooms and um, just sort of stewing on the on the fact that what I'd always dreamed about playing Ashes test <laughs> didn't go the way I wanted it to go didn't go to plan and um, as I said earlier about when reading the media I read the media for for one day after that Ashes test and some of the stuff that you read about yourself it it's not it's not healthy to, to read that. So I got rid of all social media and, and um, I, I still haven't read them since. My girl, my girlfriend says, just do not rise to it. Don't read it. Don't look at it. Because it is, it, it, no matter who you are, no matter how mentally strong you think you are, when you read messages from people that, you know, you never meet, I'm never going to meet them. The fact that you didn't bowl that well in that test probably won't affect them, but they feel the need to to write something about you on a social platform. A lot of it was like really horrible stuff, like, and I'm like, I just don't need it in my life. So I just got rid of got rid of Twitter, got rid of um, got rid of all that, and yeah, it was it was a tough time. It, it definitely looking back, it affected me for, and then it affected me for a lot a long time after that. It was. I struggled with my confidence for 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 an, probably two years after that because I'd, I never I never got back. Uh, I, I actually struggled more once I got back because I left that and I had a chat with the the coach at the time. And he said, "Go back, take wickets for knots, and and we'll hopefully see you for the for the start of the test series um, the following summer." Uh, I went back to knots and I took twenty seven wickets in four games. I was a leading wicket taker in the country by. I think about seven or eight, maybe more wickets, um, and I didn't get picked. And then as soon as as soon as I didn't get picked, as soon as I got the call saying I'm not going to be involved, I just I went by confidence, just shot. I was like, if that's not good enough, what is? And it was it was again it was tough tough year and a half after that, really tough mentally to to keep myself going and stay upbeat. Because I'm quite an upbeat person anyway, like and people notice that you're not that same person that you was a year, 18 months before. So, um, yeah, it's, it was it was a real tough time, but I, I hopefully threw it through the other side of it now and, and looking to, to rebuild my career, which it was I had to do. I had to start again. I stripped everything back. I stripped my action back. I stripped everything back and started again. I said, right, I can sulk and I can mope and I can blame other people for, for how I feel now or I can just get on with it and 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 get back to the person I was and enjoy my cricket and see where that takes me. 
yeah, I was reading about some stats. You got your, you were getting your wickets at 15s in that 28, uh, 2018 uh, campaign. But then an injury then followed. Did that again set you back in terms of, uh, from a mental perspective and from a cricket development perspective as well? Yeah, yeah. But you can always, like, I've always seen injuries in sport as just being a, a thing that, that happened. It, sometimes the timing of them is horrendous and you don't want them but you know I'm not the first person to get a big injury I'm not gonna be the last person to get a big injury it's it was it was a it was a bad time because I felt like I was I was bowling quite well at the time um and then um yeah it was it was a long injury I think it was six I think I was out for six months without even picking up a cricket ball um which was a long time and I, I found it hard to then come back from that um, and then the following year, I think it was nine, 2019, I had my worst year by a country mile. I think I, I think I got my wickets at like 50 or something. It was, it was as bad a season as I, I could have ever had. Um, and that was that again. That was a that was a tough time for me. Um, but, Did anyone in house not put, put an arm around your shoulder and help you during that period? Yeah, they they do, but I at the time again. I think um, a a backlash from the the ashes and being in England, where I was stuck in a hotel room on my own for two months, I felt like I could deal with it myself. Like I dealt with that on my own. I felt like I never. I'm not a bit. I don't open up a lot. I don't like to talk about my emotions. I don't talk about how I'm feeling. Or I just I just sort of brush it off, brush it under the carpet, and I. I tried to brush that year under the carpet and sort of paper over big cracks and it just doesn't work. Um, it, was, it wasn't until that winter where um, my mum and my girlfriend was like, you're not yourself, you're not, you know, you need to speak to somebody, you need to speak to a coach and think like, just try and get your old self back again. And I sat down with, with um, Paul Franks and um, Pete Moores and we just chatted through it and chatted where and we basically chatted about the, the ashes. We, we sort of put it back to that. Um, and then once I'd got it out, I felt like the biggest weight had been lifted. Once I'd had a little bit of a rant and a rave and I was like, right, that feels that feels so good. Now they know how I felt. Now they know. And, and they play the game as well, so they sort of understand it as well. Um, but now, once I got it off my chest, I was like, right, let's use this winter. Let's knuckle down and let's just go next year, fresh slate, let's go and hit it hard. And then that's, that's I've, again, that, that, I just saw that as a line in the sand and move on. And since then, touch wood, I feel like I'm back to my old self and I feel like I'm bowling now as well as I ever have done, which is a, a great place to be at. Talked about stripping back your action from a cricketing technical aspect. How easy was that? Um, and what it wasn't, it wasn't, were you actually working on that you felt needed adjustments as well? Yeah, so I work at my, my tempo, my run-up, um, I'd slowed down. So normally I'd run up at 23 miles an hour, running at 20 miles an hour, which is, is a, in a run-up is actually quite a, a big difference. And because of that, I was, I was swaying, I was moving side to side. Um, as much as you can, you want your... You know, you, if somebody says move from A to B, you, you move in a straight line. That's what you want to do. You want to head everything towards your target. Um, so I was swaying 
had a little crossover with my, my feet just before delivery stride, which was then putting me off of tilt. Um, so we just looked at that and, and we said, I don't want to, I don't, I didn't want to do too much to my action because I, I knew that it was sort of still there. I just wanted to, to tweak it back to where it was 18 months ago. Um, and we, we, we identified the run-up speed and the crossover as being the big um, sort of downfalls of what I was doing in the year just gone. So we worked on that, just just putting poles up, making sure that, and doing a lot of filming. I found filming myself and feeling it because I'm, I'm a very visual visual person. I learn by looking at stuff, not necessarily talking about stuff. So. Um, we every pretty much every ball I bowled that winter was filming, making sure right. Does that feel right? Yes, I right, film it. What does it look like? And then just getting that that feeling of of not crossing over, feeling of going straight at the target. Um, and yeah, that that was that was a big big winter for me. It was I found like I got my action back last year. I was bowling bowling really well. Um, I was going straight. Was always looking back on those checkpoints throughout the whole year just to make sure that everything was going right, making sure my run-up speed was right. Um, yeah, and finger, fingers crossed it, it, it's holding up. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll keep keep checking at that, keep looking at it. We're not thinking about it too much now because I feel like I'm sort of just doing it now. Um, but if, if things start to, to go bad or I feel like my rhythm's not right, then we can go back and check that. So I think it's always good to have little checkpoints in, in your action. Um, just a, two or three things that, that work for you and, and those things work for me. So, yeah, just 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 picked up on those and worked on those. And, yeah, how enjoyable was last season then for you personally? Obviously, back in form, not as one-day success with knots. How do you reflect on last season? 2019 as well, I didn't touch on this, but you, obviously, England win the World Cup. You were a pivotal member of that one-day site leading up to it. Prior, prior to the World Cup. So, obviously, you must have been overjoyed with the country winning it. But, again, it must have been one of those moments where, like, you could have been there as well. Yeah, that was, yeah, that's some, yeah, something that um, I've, I've talked about. Again, like I said, I didn't talk about it a lot of the time because I don't talk about my feelings a lot. But it was it was tough. It was it was tough when you – I was – obviously, I, I'm, I'm close with – pretty much all the lads in that dressing room. So it was like, I was so happy that we'd won it. So happy, like the the situation, how it was won. It was just one of the best games of cricket I think I've ever watched. Um, but like I say, there's always that thing in the back of your head. Um, because if I, when I picked up my back injury, it was a tour to Sri Lanka that winter. I was, I was pretty much like, I was going on that tour before I got the injury. So you know, if you go there and do well and, then you kick on to, to next summer, and then you then you find yourself in that World Cup squad. But um, yeah, it's, it was it was it was tough. But like I say, it was it was amazing that, that we won the World Cup. And it's done so much for English cricket since then that, that you can sort of um, yeah, you can can live with it a little bit. And hopefully, fingers crossed with the T Twenty World Cup coming up at the end of this year. Um, if I get an opportunity in the next couple of games or some games in the summer to, to show what I can do there, then who knows, I might, might be in that side as well. So, and also, you know, you never know, I'm, I'm still only, I just, I turned 30 a few days ago, but, you know, having 
maybe potentially playing the next one be, would be quite nice as well. Yeah, then you're the not summer that just went one day, one day success. How was that as a moment as well for, for the club and for yourself winning the trophy? Yeah, it was it was a weird year, wasn't it? Obviously with, with no crowds and um it was a shortened season with, with four day cricket um and uh, I think it was a shortened T twenty as well. I think we only played 10, 10 group games. Um but it was it was great. I think the side we had was probably the best side I've, I've played in T20 by by a distance. Actually, it was it was an absolute dream to play in that side because I think I think I only got my pads on once to, to bat, which was, which was nice. Um, but yeah, it was it the the year we had. We we all sat down and we said, well, like it's not going to be ideal not having fans because at Trent Bridge we on a Friday night, we get as big a crowds as, as anybody and we love playing in front of them and we're like, we've got a lot of young lads in our side that like to entertain and hit big shots and play big sixes and, and, and do it like that. But it was like, you know, everyone's going through a pretty, pretty tough time at the minute. So it'd be, be nice to, to give our fans something to cheer about and, and hopefully we did that by lifting the trophy. Certainly, the, the feedback we've had since then and you know, speaking to, to some of the members since then, um, they, they they loved watching it and it sort of took their mind off what was happening in the world for a, for a couple of hours. Um, so, yeah, it was it was good to, to win the trophy and, and hopefully do it again this year. I think if we can keep the core of players that we had last year, then, then we'll certainly be going close. And then, yeah, just to end on your short-term goals for the next six to 12 months. Obviously, you're involved in the 100 as well, Welsh Fire. Out in India at the moment, you mentioned before, T20 World Cup coming up. What are what are the short-term goals for Jake Ball? Um, obviously, keep an eye on that. Um, do whenever I get an opportunity, whether that is here in India, whether that's when I get back for Knots or for the Welsh Fire, just try and take the opportunity to, to, to show people what, what I can do and, and see where that leads me. Um, I want to help not get back to where they should be in four-day cricket. I think last year we saw a, a, a significant step forward in, in our four-day form from the previous years. Hopefully we can continue that and, and look at pushing them forward in that. And then, and then yeah, just, just to enjoy my cricket, mate. Like I said, um, when when I was going through the tough bit and I wasn't enjoying cricket, how bad it made me feel to be now playing and enjoying it and loving what I'm doing. I just want to keep that going and, and, and keep enjoying it, entertaining the fans, doing what, what I've always loved doing um, and see where that takes me. I think that's the main thing. Do what I did when I was a kid. You know, I, I never thought I was going to become a professional cricketer, but I, I got there because... I was, when I was doing it, I was enjoying it. I was free. I was I wasn't thinking about anything. I was just doing it because I love doing it. And I think that's that's that would be my message to any young cricketer. And I know probably most people would say it. Just just go out and enjoy it and play with freedom. But it really does make a huge difference when you don't put any pressure on yourself. Obviously, you want to do well, and I think it's important to reflect on good performances and bad performances. I think no matter if you win or lose, as long as you learn from it and develop, just enjoy yourself. Go out there and express yourself and, and do what you do. Don't don't try and be somebody that you're not. 
Um, that would be my that would be my main message that I would want to get to, over to a, a young aspiring, not even just cricketer, just just anybody in general. Just go and enjoy it. Just just be you and and see where that takes you. Jake, perfect. Thank you very much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Fantastic talking through your career and thank you again for being so open and honest about everything. So thank you. No problem. The Neil Kagram Cricket Last Stories, Jake Ball. Thank you.